Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians chapter 3. Paul, in writing to the believers at Philippi, was thanking them for what God had used them to do in his life. And certainly as we look at the book of Philippians, we see it as a thank you note. But as Paul was talking to these believers, he was helping them look forward. Philippians is indeed a book that helps us understand that we need to not only celebrate the past, but we need to be committed to the future. If you've received a note from me, you may well have seen at the end of the note, I will write Pastor Tom and then I'll write Philippians 3.14. King James, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I may well end that note by saying either pressing toward the mark or pressing on. That is what Paul is trying to get the believers to understand. That it's not just about celebrating the past, but it's about being committed to the future and pressing on toward those things that are before them. Are you in Philippians chapter 3? I want to begin with verse 7 this morning, and I want you to follow along in your copy of the Scriptures, and I'm going to read down through the first part of verse 15. Philippians 3, 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, To what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Paul, in writing to the believers, is encouraging them to press on. To understand that there is something in their lives that continues to be evident as they become Christ-like disciples. That they will recognize it's not about where they've been, but about where they're going and whose they are as believers in Jesus Christ. Now as we think about pressing on, we see that Paul says in verse 7, whatever gain I had I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
in our lives, we need to recognize that there are positives versus negatives. And what had Paul obtained? Well, if you look back into chapter 3 in the first part of the verses, look with me, please, beginning with verse 4. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, under the law, blameless. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? I think many of us, if that was our pedigree, would be thankful. You know, a lot of times we Baptist fundamentals, fundamentalists live on our pedigree. We look back in, in our lives and in the ministry of the churches that we have attended and we say, this is the way it's supposed to be. I mean, after all, we all carry Bibles to church, right? Well, some of you carry Bibles to church. But we teach, preach, and practice the Word of God. And that's the foundation for our ministry. We pray. That's a good thing. And as we learned in our ABF this morning, in Acts chapter 6, the apostles recognized that if the ministry was to go on and be what God wanted it to be, they had to concentrate on prayer and preaching of the Word of God. That's our pedigree. We've stood for what's right. What did Paul have? What had he gained? Well, a lot of stuff. A lot of credentials. A lot of things that the world thought were important. But what was he willing to lose? He was willing to lose everything counted as rubbish. I have this thing in our house. You don't take the trash out until the trash can's full. I broke my thing this past week because the, cra the trash can stunk. Paul said, no matter how full my life is, it's nothing. It is absolutely nothing. And why was he willing to lose it? For the cause of Jesus Christ. When I was in ministry, I had a mentor. His name was Don Stickler. Don was a feed salesman, animal feed salesman for Mormons, M-O-O-R-M-A-N-S. Don had this saying. He said, in everything in life, you have to minimize the unavoidable disadvantages and maximize the exclusive benefits. 
one of the unavoidable disadvantages to Mormons' feed was it was expensive. And so when he would go to farmers and sell them his feed, he recognized that it cost the farmers something. But then he would start to tell them about the exclusive benefits of Mormons' feeds. You know there are unavoidable disadvantages to being a Christian? You're aware of that, aren't you? Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Moses. And Moses was willing to give up the pleasures of Egypt. Put that in quotation marks, please. And he was willing to do that for the cause of Christ. I want you to tell, I want to tell you this morning that no matter what unavoidable disadvantages you may be thinking about, there are exclusive benefits in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. And I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. You see, the real important things in life are all about Christ. In the 104 verses in Philippians, Christ is mentioned some 36 times. Paul knew it was all about Christ. In fact, over in chapter 1, across the page in my Bible, verse 21, it says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Who is the most important person in your life? Is it Jesus Christ? Paul here in chapter 3 talks about for the sake of Christ, verse 7. Talks about knowing Christ, verse 8. He talks about gaining Christ. Talks about faith in Christ, verse 9. He talks about because of Christ in verse 12. It's all about Jesus Christ. There's a little chorus we sing. Join me, will you please? The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. Repeat that. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing. Greatest thing in all my life is loving you. The greatest thing in all my life is loving you. The greatest thing in all my life. I want to love you more. 
I want to love you more. I want to love you more. The greatest thing in all my life is loving you. See, the real important things center around Christ. And they not only center around Christ, but they center around the gospel. Turn over to chapter 1, will you please, Philippians? Verse 5, Paul talks about the partnership of the gospel. Verse 7, he talks about the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Verse 12, he talks about the advance of the gospel. In verse 16, he talks about defending the gospel. Say it with me, will you please? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The most important thing in our lives are Christ and the gospel. Because without the gospel, each one of us would be lost and on our way to hell. But Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And this life is so short. And there are so many struggles in this life that it's got to be more about Christ than this life in order for it to be worthwhile. And it's all about the gospel. And why is that true? Because Jesus Christ has given to you, has given to me, the power of the resurrection. You see, you and I need to get excited about the future. Back to chapter 3, please. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, we could go to Romans chapter 6. And there we could find that we are buried in him with baptism, baptism raised to newness of life. We could go to 1 Corinthians and we could see, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But you and I ought to get excited about living the resurrected life. Amen? We ought to get excited about what God is doing in our lives and what he's going to do down the road. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to going to heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place. That's it, Dave, filled with glory and grace. I just changed keys, didn't I? I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place, but until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with joy I'll carry on. I wasn't even on the music schedule this morning. Until the day. My eyes behold that city until the day God calls me home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. 
My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open. I'm getting goosebumps. Can feel at home in this world anymore. Stop. <laughs> Boy, was that impromptu. We ought to get excited about the future that God has be, for us because it's all about the power of the resurrected life in our lives. You know, God has given to you and to me all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen? You know, God has given to you and to me his spirit to guide and direct us into all truth. Amen? God has given to you and me fellowship within the body. God has given to you and me brothers and sisters around the world who are part of the family of God. God has given to you and me opportunities to share his goodness and his grace. God has blessed us with a resurrected life. And the scripture says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of the man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And even as good as I think heaven's going to be, I cannot imagine it. And that's all part of the resurrected life. And how do we know we have the resurrected life? Because you and I are the children, the sons, the daughters of God. We are the sons and daughters of God. Did you see that there? Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider myself that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. I'm sorry, that's not the verse I'm after. Verse I am after Come on, just lost it. Verse 12, sorry. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfected, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Think about that. Christ Jesus has made me his own. As many be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Romans chapter 8 tells us that we are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And you and I are the sons and daughters of God because Christ has made us his own. Think about that. You remember it was at Berea that the believers were first called Christians, ones of Christ. Antioch. Was it Antioch? The two was off the top of my head. My dad is turning 90 in May, May 31st. Some months ago, my brother emails me and he says, Tom, I think we ought to take dad on a trip for his 90th birthday. So I emailed him back and said, Todd, where do you think we ought to take him? He said, well, he had all these ministry opportunities in Ohio. We ought to take him back to Ohio and let him visit the churches that he pastored and the ministries that he was involved with and just have a great time with him. Sounds good to me. Can we also have cake and ice cream? Yeah, we can have cake and ice cream. One of the things that we are looking to do is get us all polo shirts so we match. 
And on the polo shirts, we're going to put the Townsend crest. Say cool. You didn't convince me. But it's because the Townsend boys are going to take their dad, Townsend, on a trip. And we are not ashamed to be Townsends. Although I am told the etymology of our name was because we lived at the end of town where nobody else would live. Another way to say that is on the other side of the tracks. I want you to think about being a Christian. Wearing his crest. Recognizing whose we are. You and I are sons and daughters of God. You and I have been born into the family of God. You and I are new creatures in Christ Jesus as children of God. Whoa! And we wear that as Christians. And it ought to make a difference in our lives. You know, everywhere you and I go, we go as ministers of righteousness for Christ. You know, everywhere where you and I go, we go as ambassadors, representatives of Christ. You know, everything that we say, everything that we do, we do because of whose we are and what we are as he has made us his own. We are the sons and daughters of Christ. And what does that do for us? We strain toward the future. Every year I encourage our leadership, our men, our deacons to write out next spiritual steps. What are you going to do this year in your Christian life? What are your goals? What do you hope to accomplish? How do you want to grow in your relationship with, with Christ? You know why we do that? Because none of us have arrived. Because of something called progressive sanctification in our lives. That's what Paul's talking about. Verse 13, where he says, I don't consider I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward that which lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Even the Apostle Paul said, there's more that God wants to do in my life to challenge me and change me and conform me to the character of his Son. The word straining is an interesting word there. You find it in verse 13. Has the idea of concerted effort. 
You know, many of us live our Christian lives by accident. We just hope that somehow, some way, God will do a work in our lives. We're not as intentional as we should be. I mentioned this during our ABF class. I went to my doctor a couple of weeks ago for my annual physical. I was told that once you hit 65, it's no longer a physical, it's a wellness visit. My doctor told me that I had an A minus. My BMI, my body mass index, was too high. I think that was a nice way for him to tell me I was too fat. He asked me a question. He said, do you know at what age men and women are no longer to build, able to build body mass? And he was talking about muscle mass because we can all. I said, no, I don't. He said, no matter how old you get, you can still build muscle mass. Cool. I'm going to keep pumping iron. How old is a Christian get before they quit building spiritual muscle mass? I mentioned progressive sanctification a couple times. But the old saying, no pain, no gain, could well be applied to our Christian lives. If we don't take the discipline that is necessary in order for us to grow in Christ, we're not going to grow. If we don't intentionally develop the habit patterns that are necessary for us to grow in Christ, we're not going to grow if we don't faithfully work on our Christian lives, it's not going to happen. I have a sign that uh, is on, my, on the screen in front of my computer on my desk, and it says this, don't look back, you ain't going that way. And yet, how many of us are living in the past? I take the stairs when I'm in the hospitals. And I like Oaklong Hospital because as I take the stairs, there are all kinds of sayings in those stairs. I don't know if they put those sayings up there to challenge your mind or to give you a rest so you'd stop and read them. I found this in a hallway in Oaklong Hospital. Don't let yesterday's problems rob you of today's blessings. You see, the whole deal is that you and I need to be looking ahead, straining toward the future, understanding that what we have now is where we need to be. We need to press toward that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because there is an optimal price. Did you see it there in verse 14? It's called the high calling of God. 
the upward call of God that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That high calling. Now, we can look forward to heaven, and there are going to be all kinds of crowns that someday we may well receive. There's the incorruptible crown that talks about taking care of our bodies, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Crown of rejoicing that talks about soul winners, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Crown of life in James chapter 1 that talks about dealing well with suffering. Crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that talks about loving his appearing. And the crown of glory which talks about ministering and caring and sharing and shepherding people. 1 Peter chapter 5. Now all of those are prizes, gains, something that we can look forward to. But you know the ultimate price? Jesus told a parable about it. And that parable was when he left his followers with talents. And some doubled their talents and some buried their talents. And when the master returned, the ultimate prize was, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The optimal prize is being a Christ-like disciple. Recognizing that God has called us to mirror his son. And how do we do that? We live out the mission statement, passionate, obedient, dependent, connected, authentic, and relevant. That's how we become Christ-like disciples. Question. How do we grow? Answer. Through his word, through his grace, through his person. And so it is the word of God, it is the grace of God, it is the person of Jesus Christ that helps us to grow. But I'm sure all of us would recognize that we struggle in some of those areas, right? So, how long does it take you to break a bad habit? Anybody have any bad habits? Some of you going. How long does it take you to break a bad habit? A while, a long time, right? How long does it take you to establish a good habit? Some people will say 30 days. If you can do something for 30 days, you'll have a good habit in your life. How long does it take you to break a good habit? About five minutes, right, Teresa? About five minutes. You know, in our lives, as we look at the optimum price, It's all about the knowledge of being mature and having the right habits in our life. First Corinthians chapter 13 is an interesting passage of Scripture. It's all about love, right? 
And Jesus said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Right? But there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that says this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I acted like a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. How mature are you in Christ? If you and I are going to press on, then you and I need to recognize there is an intentional responsibility that we have. And it's found in the verse that many times I sign after my name. Can we read it together, please? I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How you doing? That's what makes a difference in our lives. Celebrating the past, but committed to the future.